You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my friends who are much into music theater to different types of pop and rock music. And sometimes they'll introduce me to some theater music. Everyone, today we're talking about the police, Regatta de Blanc. With me, I have Isaiah, hello, Riley, hi, and Romy. Hey, Regatta de Blanc is the second studio album by English American rock band The Police, released on October 2nd, 1979, under AM Records. The producers are Nigel Gray and The Police, and the genres are new wave, reggae rock, and post punk. And I'm gonna read the all music review from Greg Prato by 1979's Regatta de Blanc. Translation, White Reggae, nonstop touring had sharpened the police's original blend of reggae rock to perfection, resulting in breakthrough success. Containing a pair of massive hit singles, the inspirational anthem Message in a Bottle, and the spacious Walking on the Moon, the album also signaled a change in the band's sound. Whereas their debut got its point across with raw, energetic performances, Regatta de Blanc was much more polished production-wise and fully developed from a songwriting standpoint. While vigorous rockers did crop up from time to time with It's Alright For You, Death Wish, No time this time and the granny winning instrumental title track the material was overall much more sedate than the debut with bring on the night this bit's too big without you and does everyone stare also included was one of Stuart copeland's two lead vocal appearances on a police album with the witty on any other day as well as one of the band's most eerie tracks contact with Regatta de Blanc, many picked Sting and company to be the superstar band of the 80s, and the police would prove them correct on the band's next release. Alright, what do we think of uh, Regatta de Blanc by the police? Very solid. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. I adore this. I-, I adore these songs. Like, a lot of their outfit from this time, I just love. Especially, like, um, Ghost in the Machine and Zenaimanata. Ghost in the Machine is one of my favorites. I was just listening yeah, to I have it on cassette. I was just listening to oh, Zenyatta nice. Landata earlier today and uh, I don't hate it, but uh, there there's just something about it that I don't really It's pretty front loaded. It's not not even about it as being front loaded. It's also a bit like minuscule, if you know what I mean. It's very stripped down and not that there's a problem with like these uh, stripped down art punk bands like Gang of Four, which the police obviously took inspiration from, but um, when I think of the police, uh, that kind of stuff's not usually what I think of in mind. And uh, I I like this album much more. Um, I'm not going to go out and say it's my favorite album of all time, for top 50, maybe even top 100 album of all time, but um, coming after three weeks of Catch Me If You Can, ABBA, and Mamma Mia, I think I needed this. <laughs> yeah. It's like a new shift. <laughs> it's like the new era of Rock of Ages, the post-Mamma Mia era. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it's got to be better than the post-My Woman era. The Any- post- 
highly <laughs> sus era. Yeah. <laughs> We're still living in a highly sus era. We still are. We're still living in a society. Thing. Highly society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... Please boo me. Boo me, please. <laughs> boo! Uh, anyway, um, the uh, the biggest hit single off this album is playing right now, Message in a Bottle. I'm guessing I'm... that before this episode, this is the only song you guys knew from this album. I knew Walking on the Moon. Yeah. Um, that is a fire track. Yeah, but if you ask someone on the street, they would probably say it would be Message in a Bottle. would be the only song they've heard. I mean, for good reason. Yeah, it's a very good song. It's it's extremely fire. I will admit the outro where he's just going set and out and SOS goes on for ninety seconds too long. I mean, it's not like the nineteen ninety three Macy's Parade when Stevie Wonder song like it was just like take the time out to love someone and it just repeated like it just overstated its welcome basically. Only well, Stevie Wonder, he can do whatever the hell he wants. I remember yeah. reading a YouTube comment saying that they thought that Sting was saying send an otter SOS. <laughs> I always kind of thought he said send Donata SOS. So he was saying send your welcome SOS. <laughs> you know, let's talk a little bit about Sting's uh, faux patois accent. How, what do we, how do we feel about that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Some people like die hard hate it. I don't mind it. You know, honestly, I, I don't hate Sting's voice either. Like, um, I feel like he could sing a bit more normal, but uh, I guess maybe that's just how he sings. Like, yeah, I think I, I, when I was listening to the 1001 Album Club, uh, the lead guy, Birch, was talking about how he spent his life listening to crooners like uh, Chris Isaac, Morrissey, Morrison, and they influenced his sound. He's like a crooner. And I'm pretty sure he said the same thing went for Sting. Like, he spent his life listening to, like, either reggae singers or white reggae singers and they just influenced his accent so like he cannot for the life of him sing in a different accent um so this is a dope instrumental that's playing which reminds me there is a song from Zamanada or uh, like there's a they have a song called behind my camel and it's an instrumental it's basically the same riff for three minutes Oh, and like I know it, what you're talking about. I love I yeah, honestly it, love that instrumental. I know Sting outright said he hates it, but I love it. It's it's fun. It's catchy. But it it won the Grammy for best rock instrumental over YYZ. Bruh. I do have a problem with that. I wouldn't go that far. Um the police producer Nigel Gray said about Behind My Camel is that it was supposed to be like an in-joke by Andy Summers. Like, he didn't tell me this himself, but I'm 98% sure the reason he called it Behind My Camel is this. What would you find behind a camel? A monumental pile of shit. <laughs> oh! oh. <laughs> mm. oh. Also, um, when Sting was just going, EO eo on the title number uh all i could think of was when he did the eo eo on every little thing she does is magic i, I thought you were gonna say everything everywhere all at once for a second that I'm... yeah i i love that little that one scene in everything everywhere all at once where miss jelly is talking about what she needs to do to save the universe and then sting just comes in and says eo eo <laughs> and he's like what are you doing staring at me for you have a universe to say for cross sake yeah like, I, I think they're working on a sequel. It would be funny, so funny if Sting appeared in it. Yeah. I mean, can I talk about how um I got to work concessions for a Sting concert a couple months back? Uh, go ahead. Well, I don't really remember much. Uh, it was just kind of uneventful. Um, but uh, my just parents Just like Sting's did... solo career. 
Um, Fortress but in the I did. Pit. Yeah, I my parents won tickets to the show um, from the radio. Like they won a, like a contest on the radio, and they won tickets to see Sting. And like I finished up later than I was normally accustomed to. So like I began to leave uh, right when he stopped playing, and um, and I was just surrounded in crowds and waited for my parents and. Uh, yeah, um, I considered buying something from the merch table, but I didn't. I I just wanted to save my money for other matters. That's fair. Because I, I had just started film school. Yeah. Fun fact, do you know why Sting calls himself Sting? Because uh, he used to dress geezers. up as a bee. <laughs> it says here, uh, Sting was just walking around, and someone said, You look like a wasp. And then Sting was like, Okay, I, my name is Sting now. <laughs> You know, it was such a missed opportunity that um, Sting was not that half B guy from Jupiter Ascending. Oh, God. Which, oh, my God. <laughs> and they never specify that he is half B. We just we just have to go in knowing that he is half B. Oh, um, oh, I just found, like, I, I just found this out. Um, American Hi-Fi, uh, covered this song for the movie Rugrats Go Wild. It's all right for you? Um, no, no, uh, Message in a Bottle. Oh. It would be yeah, cool if It's Alright for You got got more uh, love, honestly. Because the slide yeah. guitar solo that played like a minute ago is like my second favorite part of the album. I used to hate this track. What's wrong with you? Dude. Like before, right before my sophomore year of high school when I binged all the police albums. Your anti-punk bias is showing. <laughs> it sounds like the Dead Milkman, therefore you must hate it. No, don't diss the police like that. Okay, fair. This song, though. No. Bring Very on the good. night. Oh, the this the information for Bring on the Night I thought was extremely interesting. Um, some of the lyrics of Bring on the Night were recycled from the song Carrion Prince, written by Sting for the band Last Exit. Um, the title Carrion Prince was taken from Ted Hughes's poem King of Carrion, which was written about Pontius Pilate. However, after reading the Executioner song, which is a true crime novel uh, depicting the events related to the execution of Gary Gilmore for murder of by the state of Utah, Sting felt the words fitted Gilmore's death wish and says that since then I sing it with him in mind. Mm. Oh, I just I just remembered uh the drummer Stuart Copeland, he's uh, he he was actually the guy that scored um the old Spiral games. I was going to mention that. Oh wow. Ah. Yes, Stuart Copeland has uh, Stuart Copeland has had a pretty illustrious solo career outside of the police. Um, let's see, he did the theme music for the animated Star Wars series Star Wars Droids. And he did the, the movie music for uh, She's All That, a 1999 rom-com. Not to be confused with He's All That, starring Addison Rae, the horrible movie. <laughs> he did the soundtrack for Good Burger. Oh! Um... Uh, now I have to. Now we have to do Good Burger on Watch This. <laughs> now these yeah. he did. He did the soundtrack for uh, Rumblefish by Francis Ford Coppola. Um, wow. She's having a baby by John Hughes. And these are my two favorite ones: uh, Fugitive Among Us <laughs> <laughs> and Highlander Two: The Quickening. <laughs> There's more than one. <laughs> the first one was Queen. The second one, the drummer from the Police. Live with it. What a track record. And Highlander 2 is often considered to be one of the worst movies of all time. That's so sad. If I ever do an Andrew month, which I won't for watch this, I should probably do Highlander 2 just despite these <laughs> negative reviews. But not before we do Good Burger. Of course. I'm surprised we haven't gotten to Good Burger already with Keenan and Kel and the Good Burger. And 
think there was an Abe Vigoda cameo where it just spoke. It he has third. One of, he has third billing. Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah. They, they made a joke about, like, a long-standing joke about him being dead which, while he was still alive. Hmm. God rest his soul. Oh, Abe my God. Vigoda. Just Good Burger was written by Kevin Koplow and Heath Seifert, the creators of Austin and Alley. Oh, my God! <laughs> Why isn't Stuart Copeland doing the music for Austin and Alley? <laughs> they should have gotten Sting to do the music for Austin and Alley. They should have Sting and Alley. That would have been insane. They should, they should have just cast Sting as Austin Moon. But considering it's Sting, they could have just cast Sting as himself. I read somewhere that the beginning of Bring on the Night sounds like the beginning of Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. So that was interesting. I, was sampled in a, I should mention that uh, the riff of Edge of Seventeen was sampled for Destiny's Child's Bootylicious. And <laughs> like, they actually got Stevie Nicks in the music video playing the riff. <laughs> a highlight of Stevie Nicks' career. Cam- a five second cameo for Bootylicious. <laughs> so what is our like least favorite song on this album? Because it's a tie for me for Contact in No Time This Time. I don't hate, like, any of the songs on this album. But and... least favorite might have to be, I don't know, maybe on any other day. I, okay, I get that, but it's funny. It's it's, not... Yeah, it's a fun song. I don't hate any of these tracks, but, yeah, that's a, it's a tough decision. Yeah. Um, on Any Other Day is uh, Stuart Copeland's uh, sole, like, lead vocal song. And I must admit, it's kind of weird uh, hearing Sting sing Harmony on a police track. <laughs> At least it's not Mother on uh, Synchronicity. Okay, I uh, hate on Mother all you want. I think that's actually one of the more, like, entertaining and brow-raising parts of <laughs> it. I'm honestly, uh, I listened to some syn- synchronicity tracks earlier today, and I have to admit, I'm not really all for that type of stuff. Like, uh, like don't get me wrong, Synchronicity 2 is, like, a banger, a banger. and uh, the Stalker's Anthem is overplayed, <laughs> but it... it yeah. Whereas everything else, I, I probably just haven't heard it all too much. I, I need to get more accustomed with it. But as is, uh, it's not really like my go-to police. This here's my go-to police. And Wrapped around your fingers, like my favorite police song. I'll have, so. Yeah, I'll have, I'll give that a, I'll give it a listen. And yeah, uh, mother, people hate mother all you want, but you can't say that Andy Summers at least tried. He tried, <laughs> and that's all that matters. Yeah. And um, to the best of my knowledge right now, Andy Summers is the only person in like a major rock band that we've covered this far with the name Andrew. So this is like the only Andrew representation we have gotten in the rock world. Big one. Yeah. Um, I just randomly remembered like the Morrison Hotel when you were like, the Riley stands for you, Riley. Uh, you were John C. Riley this whole time. <laughs> Would you guys believe me that if I if that I said I was Andy Summers? <laughs> yeah, 
You're definitely walking on the moon. Speaking of, that song just came on, and it's the best song off the album. And I, I don't, honestly, I don't think this is up for debate. Like, Message in the Bottle... I will not disagree. Yeah, the Message in the Bottle is like, it's the hit. But yeah. Walking on the Moon, like, it just immediately trumps that. Not to be confused yeah, with but... the, the man who just got left back on the pathetic hellhole site called Twitter. <laughs> Try and keep it light. Um, Sting said, like, um, like, Giant Steps by John Coltrane, which is, like, kind of like an inspiration for that song. Um, yeah. I think uh, songs are built by whimsy, faulty memory, and free association. Yeah. And, and Giant Steps is kind of notable for... Be- People just kind of joke, what key is this song in? And everyone's like, yes! Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, do you know what this song was originally called? Walking Around the Room. Yep. So, yes. uh, I don't know if Walking Around the Room would have made as much big waves as Walking on the Moon. Oh, it also says um, Walking on the Moon was like... The band Walk the Moon, was. Na- they named themselves after this song. Hmm. Um, has anyone seen the music video for this song where they're playing it at the Kennedy Space Center? I have. Oh, yeah. I've seen pits of it on the Spotify uh, canvas thing, but uh, I don't know. Pretty cool. I- I've never been to the Kennedy Space Center, but uh, despite having gone to Florida a couple times, but like, I guess we- we're really into space. Like, maybe someday I'll go. Maybe someday. Your heart will open. And maybe we could, maybe the four of us could get together and, uh... Recreate and, the, uh, Walking on the Moon music video? Um, uh, or do some, uh, photo shoots, uh, in, like, the various random locations used for Closet Monster, which, and speaking of which, you said the next song on any other day is, in your notes, yeah. you said it was guys, Average guys, Day in the Legends guys, guys. Piece of Shit Dad yeah. from Closet Monster. What? Yeah, my favorite part of the album's about to play. This is so good. Like I, I freaking love this part so much. God, it's so good. Like yeah. Stuart Copeland's hi hats are like otherworldly. He is ascending, and then just it just transitions into that reggae shuffle and Andy Summers like shimmering guitar chords and Sting's um, uh, iconic yo yo yos playing in the background. <laughs> this is my favorite moment in the police's entire discography. <laughs> This is the closest we as a humanity will ever achieve the One Piece. <laughs> Which, as Howard Hamlin tells us, is real. The One Piece is real. The One Piece. But what if it wasn't real? What would we do now? Cry. Yeah. Um, the next song is called uh, On Any Other Day, which, as I mentioned, is Copeland's only uh, lead vocal on the album. Okay, it's not his only lead vocal. He does, like, the intro vocals on Does Everyone Stare, but this is, like, the only song Copeland does where he does all the lead vocals all the way through. And it's a story about, like, a suburban dad. His life is going to shit because his scrambled eggs are wrong and his son is now gay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ha! and with that lyric you can instantly tell that the lead singer is supposed to be someone from suburban america for the longest time i had no idea that copeland was like american oh yeah and i'm like what is this amusing a musician with no british accent I, what yeah he was born in alexandria virginia he went to college in california enrolling at alliant international and university of california berkeley hmm by the way, um, 
I looked up what the lyric and when the wombat comes, he will find me gone. What was that supposed to mean? And according to Copeland, it's supposed to mean absolutely nothing. It's like, it's like I am the walrus. It's not supposed to mean anything. It's a little I am the walrus moment. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, as I mentioned, um, everything in this man's life is full of problems and trouble. And he's wondering why all of this happening on this specific day. And you're wondering... Well, what's the punchline? Well, I'll tell you what the punchline is. It's his birthday! And I'm just imagining the scene where, like, his son comes out to him as he's blowing out his candles. <laughs> like, and honestly, I wouldn't... I, if, if I were a dad and my son came out to me while I was blowing out my birthday candles, I wouldn't be, like, betrayed. I would be proud. Yeah, same with me. Stuart Copeland in a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> it would be a lot better than that Disney thing that, like, a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, that that aired on Disney Channel a couple months ago. And, um, notably, it did not cut out the utterances of the word penis. <laughs> what? <laughs> if Stuart Copeland was here, he would not let that slide. And there are a couple other uh, funny moments on this record aside from on any other day. I think Does Everyone Stare has a few funny haha moments to it. Like, That's a good song. Uh, yeah, like, um, I just, I, there has to be some hint of comedy in the line I never noticed the size of my feet until I kicked you in the shins. <laughs> oh, that, that radiates the same energy as that song called Your Feet's Too Big. I think it was like a Louis Jordan one. Uh, I want to see you. Um... Your Feet's Too Big Without You. This track is so good. <laughs> this, Yeah, The Bed's Too Big Without You is uh, a bit sad. Um, So I looked up what the lyrics mean for The Bed's Too Big Without You on Genius. I'm sure I didn't have to look hard because like half of the lyrics are The Bed's Too Big Without You. And for the the first line, the the annotation is as a metaphor. The bed symbolizes the union of a deep-seated relationship. No, I'm pretty sure it represents a bed, dumbass. It's a bed. <laughs> the other notable line is the "try to make love to my pillow" or whatever. Stink like, weave moment. <laughs> What body pillow would Sting have? What body pillow would Sting have? What anime would Sting watch? Oh, um, that's not a question. Oh, um, watch Shonen, like Demon Slayer or something. I looked up that song after it was uh previously it was actually popularized by Fats Waller in 1936. Um, the so for the chorus of Bed's Too Big Without You, the annotation is there was a resulting depression from breaking off with a relationship with someone. It's a combination of having to suffer a huge loss and the awkwardness of adjusting to a new situation. A comfort that the person will always be there at the end of the day is removed. So the bed is left with a giant gap where the person used to be. That lingering loneliness is the motive behind these lyrics. Uh, according to Sting, uh, he wrote this song after he broke up with his first girlfriend and she killed herself. Oh. And he's like, oh, you killed yourself. This bed's too big without you. Can you come back from the dead? Sting, so stupid. I do like this song, though. It's a bit monotonous, but it gets its point across. That's so weird, because... Yeah. Can't Stand Losing You off of their debut is literally that story. Yeah. <laughs> Can't Stand <laughs> Losing You is... Yeah, on, on, the di on the debut album, Sting was such an emo kid. Like, emo edgelord kid. Like, if it's you break up with me, album. if you leave my life, I'm gonna freaking kill myself. Like, get some therapy, Sting. <laughs> 
Obviously, he did not get therapy because four albums after writing Can't Stand Losing You, he was stalking his someone. Yeah. I, I read a story about how I think a fan came up to him during the Synchronicity tour or whatever. And they were like, oh my god, I got married to Every Breath You Take or whatever. And he was like, haha, good luck. That song's not supposed to be romantic at all. <laughs> and that person yeah. grew up to become Gwen Stefani. <laughs> so true. I love that yeah. song. That reminds me of how, like, Stranger Things used that song during, like, a dance, like, a school dance, but then, like, you, it, this camera just moves over to the upside down, which, and, like, the, like, the monster that, um, better fits the, um, uh, abusive, controlling, and angry figure <laughs> that was described in the actual song. But one of my more favorite, uh, Every Breath You Take moments, because, like, they, when that, completely changes the meaning of the song is like when Bindi Irwin danced to a slow down cover of it on Dancing with the Stars and it was dedicated to uh, her dad who of course was Steve Irwin and uh, yeah I I'll probably I, I can find it that's both a really nice uh, anecdote but also I just still find that a bit weird since one of the lyrics of the song is can't you see you belong to me that's <laughs> what <laughs> I remember hearing that song on the way to kindergarten on the bus. Good days. There's a house on my street, and it looks real neat. I'm the chap who lives in it. There's a tree on the sidewalk. There's a car by the door. I'll go for a drive in it. And when the wombat comes, he will find me gone. Hot take, I think the police contact is better than Rent's contact. Yeah. I was going to make a reference to Rent. Alright. You just saw the words contact and were like, Hey, that's a Rent song. I can make the Rent joke. Yep. Although there really isn't much to say about contact. I guess you could say they have contact, but what else do they have? Okay, I, I, also, I thought the, the chorus was, Have we got touched on? Can't we be? Instead of, have we got touchdown? Mm -hmm. So again, Sting, uh, work on your, work on perfecting your voice, please. So also, do you want, does anyone know what Sting's real name is? Gordon Sumner? Yep. Okay, you're still here. I, I, I assumed that Sting took you out after you said that. Because I don't think he likes to be called anything else but that. He came to my house and shot me in the leg. He killed my wife, he killed my son, he killed my infant daughter. He, um... You are done. He poisoned our water supply, burned our crops, and delivered a plague into our houses. He also wrote Every Breath You Take. The creepy-ass stalker song. He was also yeah. in a Simpsons episode. He was also in the B movie. Where he and used to be one of... And sued him over his name. the clowns show people. Um, you know, I thought about adding s some of Sting's solo albums to the wheel, but then I realized I have better uses of my time. That would work out for me, since I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to any of them. <laughs> I'll, hot take, I love the song, uh, If You Love Somebody, Set Them Free. 
I'd... I'll check it out. Um, let's see. Um, I have thought about adding the rest of the police's discography to the wheel, though. So far, all I had was this and Synchronicity. But I'm considering adding Outlandos de Amor, Zenyata Mandata, and Ghost in the Machine. Ghost in the Machine is a must. That's like my other favorite album by them. Yeah, yeah. I, I the I last said, two are my favorites. Yeah, as, as I said earlier in the episode, I have a copy of Ghost in the Machine on cassette. I didn't like a thrift store. Nice. I have Ghost in the Machine on vinyl and Synchronicity on vinyl. I oh. have Synchronicity on CD. Ooh. Mm. Anyway, uh, Does Anyone Stare might be my favorite deep cut off the album. It's a good song. Yeah. I, I like the jazzy shuffle it brings to the table. <laughs> but um, the the final track, No Time This Time, not, not really one of my favorites. Am oh, I really? I think it's a fine closer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fast-paced. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't like the way they process Sting's vocals. Oh, yeah. <sighs> that it, it it doesn't annoy me, but it's like, why did you make that choice? You could have made plenty other choices by that song, and you made the choice that I'm not particularly fond with. So, um, you know who I think Sting has a few things in common with? Who? Mm. A little, our old friend Bono. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, um, both. Bart? <laughs> yeah, Bart Simpson, of course. Bart. I remember, Bart. remember when Sting and Bart, Bono were in the same Simpsons episode together? That was crazy. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> For real, uh, Sting and Bono were part of the biggest bands of the 80s. They both go by one name, and their egos are bigger than the moon. Uh, yeah. The only difference is one of them wrote the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> And uh, back to The Simpsons, I was saying uh, one of the voice actors on uh, The Simpsons was uh, at a convention that I was at. Um, her name is Jenny Yokobori, and she's also worked on Genshin Impact. Oh, oh boy. That's one game I should never check out. Anyway, I always wondered, since Sting and Bono are such big egos, I wondered, have they ever met each other? I'm sure they have. Yeah, the Probably. answer is yes. I, I they played at Live like, Aid before. Of the 80s. Oh. They have like the exact identical facial features if you ask me. <laughs> oh. If if I you switch their face. And... Yeah, if I I put them in a face swap, you, you couldn't tell the difference. Drama alert. Two white guys look the same. Who would have thunk? Okay, let's uh, go around the room. Isaiah, you start off. Uh, out of 10, what would you give this and would you recommend it to a theater kid? Um, very solid, like 8.8. .8. Not enough to be a nine, but still a very good record. Uh, and I I will recommend it to a theater kid. All right. Romy? Um, I give it a nine. I, I go going where Isaiah could not. <laughs> You're going on the moon. You're walking on the moon while Isaiah's just, just had a reach to walk on it. Give us a gold bananas on the moon! <laughs> Bitch! Have you um, seen the video Friendship is Magic, bitch? Uh, I can't say I have. Link it, please. Uh, yes. I, I'm showing you. Okay, uh, Riley, you're up. Um, I'll give it an eight. And I'll give it an eight and a half. Like, it's not my most favorite thing in the world, but after those three weeks of... Those three weeks, I needed... I probably needed this. It's hard, It's pumping, it's rocking, it's got a lot of reggae influences, and new wave, and post-punk, and uh, I, I will be going back to this. And would I recommend this to a theater kid? Probably. 
even though they would probably be more in touch with the uh, singles as opposed to any of the deeper cuts, I think they might still have some sort of respect for what these guys were doing. Uh, so uh, normally this would be where I spin the wheel, but uh, I'm going to hold back on that because tomorrow is a special occasion. Does anyone want to guess what it is? Sunday. What is it? November 20th. Yeah, if you want to get technical about it. But also, <laughs> it is Elton John's final American performance at the Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Oh. So I figured we should do an Elton John album for this occasion. Oh, nice. Nice. So uh, I I thought about Movie which one to do. Um, ultimately, I decided, why not just go with my favorite Elton John album? So that's what we'll be doing. The next uh, Elton John album we'll be looking at is Honky Chateau. Ooh, nice. I mean, I thought you were gonna say goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, but that's that's honestly my second favorite. But you know, all right, thank you. 